What is up, guys? It is Quinn here, feeling good after that Monday night football game. My Chicago Bears getting a big W over the Patriots. Justin Fields balling out. Dude looks like a car crash on every single play. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but it is fun to watch. But today, we're going to be going through my week eight running back start sits, breaking down every single week eight matchup, listing every fantasy relevant running back as either a start, sit, or a fringe option. So the fringe options are like in between a strong play and someone you want on your bench. So kind of like a low end start, potential flex option, RB3, you know, in that area. While you guys are watching, if you're enjoying the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. And then if you guys have any fantasy questions, I will answer every single one down below in the comment section. But let's jump into the Thursday night football game. We have the Ravens taking on the Buccaneers. And this Ravens backfield is pretty interesting with the injury news to J.K. Dobbins. We just have like a uh, basically a whole new rotation going on here. And it starts off with Gus Edwards, who actually made his return from his ACL tear. He took longer than uh, Dobbins to come back, but he came in and he actually is leading this three-man committee. So we have Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, Justice Hill. We had Edwards getting 36% of the snaps, 16 carries. We had Kenyon Drake at 31% of the snaps, 11 carries. And then we had uh, Justice Hill at 27% of the snaps, and five carries. And basically, there's just not going to be any receiving upside in this committee. Neither running back or, you know, none of the three running backs ran over seven routes. So that's kind of what we're expecting here out of the Ravens backfield. But there was one clear guy who definitely separated himself. Gus Edwards, 66 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. That's obviously how he's going to produce through efficiency and through touchdowns. And I actually think, you know, he could hold on to this role. If he's leading it in his first game back from an ACL tear, I feel like this is a spot where they trust him. They're going to want him to be the guy moving forward. Still somewhat of a committee, but I do think he's startable. Typically, the uh, Bucks are a horrible matchup for running backs. In general, the Bucks have just kind of fallen apart offensively, defensively. It's just a rough scene over there right now. So I do think Edwards is a start wouldn't want to be starting or, you know, even fringe option for Drake or Justice Hill. Now, moving over to the Buccaneers, we have Leonard Fournette coming off of a very rough performance. I still have him listed as a start, Rashad White as a sit. Now, I don't think this is likely to happen, but I feel like there's a non-zero chance that we go out there on Thursday Night Football and Rashad White has some kind of takeover in this backfield. We had Todd Bowles after the game, you know, with some cryptic response talking about like, we got to see if the uh, old players can still get it done. If not, we're going to have to shift to the young guys. And it didn't really apply to many positions except for potentially the running back spot. Now, Fournette's been struggling, especially in terms of the efficiency on the ground. I really don't feel like this is his fault. It's not a good run blocking offensive line. And the play calling has just been atrocious. So I don't feel like this is a Fournette issue. And I still think he's a very solid start. There's just something weird going on here. So I wouldn't be you know, totally shocked if there's some sort of heavy split, but I still think Fournette's going to be the guy moving forward. I'm probably panicking some people here. I still think he's going to be the guy, but I'm just saying, you know, if Rashad White is on waivers, I would definitely be looking at him. Now, moving over to the Sunday night game, I believe this one is taking place in London. We have the Broncos taking on the Jaguars. Man, they just keep putting the Broncos in these spots where we're like forced to watch them. Um, and unfortunate, and it's also an unfortunate split here in the Broncos backfield. We have Mike Boone going on IR, and we still had a you know pretty solid split between Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray. 
We had Melvin Gordon at around a 51% snap share, 56% raw participation, Latavius Murray at a 39% snap share, 31% raw participation, Melvin Gordon 11 carries, 4 targets, Latavius Murray 8 carries, 3 targets, but he gets the uh, rushing touchdown. We saw Melvin Gordon take 100% of the 2-minute drill work. And then Latavius Murray is taking the only goal line carry in an offense that has been as terrible as the Denver Broncos with this kind of committee. This is just something I want to be fading. So I have Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray both listed as sits. I do understand if you're super desperate at the running back position, you know, you had a Brees Hall, Javante Williams stack. I understand you may be forced to play these guys, but obviously, you know, if you're in a strong running back position, you just don't want these guys in your lineup. Then on the other side with the Jaguars, We have Travis Etienne. It is Travis Etienne season. It was delayed. I'm not going to say I wasn't nervous. I have him on a lot of my teams. You know, he was one of my most drafted running backs. And, you know, I was panicking a little bit early on. Wasn't moving off of him, but I didn't think he was going to be living up to that draft price. It is time for Etienne to feast. And I actually had all these notes written out before I even saw the uh, James Robinson report. And so I was still, you know, pumped for Etienne before this news. The J-Rob trade really seals it. They are going to be rolling with Travis Etienne as the clear-cut number one. He saw 80% of the snaps this past week, had a 55% route participation, took 14 of the 15 running back carries, five of the six running back targets, and he did that, and he also lost a key fumble. Like I think he was uh, inside the 10-yard line, fumbles, they lose possession, potentially cost them the game if we're looking back on it, and they still continue to feed him. That's what we want to see. 18.9 fantasy points. I would not be shocked if ETN is a top 12, maybe even top 10 running back rest of season. I feel like with the J-Rob trade, it probably like seals his value as being pretty tough to trade for, but I wouldn't be opposed to trading, you know, one of these kind of locked in top 10 running backs for ETN while also getting a wide receiver positional upgrade. I just think it's something to kind of look around for one of those really established, you know, big name running backs. Now, moving over to the next matchup, we have a kind of grimy game here between the Panthers and the Falcons. For the Panthers, I have both Yonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard listed as fringe plays. If they are both healthy and playing, we saw Chuba leave with an ankle injury, but apparently it was precautionary. If both of these guys play, I think it's going to be a really gross committee, but I also feel like this is a matchup that could kind of... uh, I guess, provide for a decent game for both of these dudes. They both produced against the Buccaneers. Foreman, 15 carries, 118 rushing yards, two receptions for 27 yards. Chuba Hubbard, you know, he left with injury, I think in the late third quarter, but nine carries, 63 rushing yards, a touchdown, two receptions, 10 yards. Prior to the injury, Chuba actually outsnapped Foreman 22 to 14. So it kind of looked like, you know, Chuba may be the guy to own here. I feel like it's kind of a toss up. They split the early down snaps. Chuba took the third downs and then Foreman took the two minute drill. So a pretty firm split here. I just think this could be a game where it's probably going to be low scoring, competitive, a lot of rushing from both sides. So I think they could be viable, you know, flex options if you are desperate. For the Falcons, I mean, kind of a similar story here. It's another, you know, crowded backfield. We did see Algier take 62% of the snaps. In the three games without Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier has 13, 15, and 16 carries. Now, he has done very little with that fantasy-wise, but he has the touchdown opportunities. 
He took four of the five goal line carries for the Falcons this past week. Like I mentioned, I think this is going to be a solid game script for, you know, just the running backs in general in this game. So I believe I've listed Algier as a sit the past two weeks. This week, he is going to be a fringe option for me. And then sitting uh, Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams. Now moving over to the Bears taken on the Cowboys. We just saw the Bears get that big dub against the Patriots. Looked really impressive. I'm going to roll with David Montgomery as a start here. Now, I do think this is probably going to be somewhat of a split moving forward between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. It's really just a situation where both running backs look pretty impressive, but I still think David Montgomery is going to be getting that lean, and I don't think we can trust Khalil Herbert, even if it's a split against a really tough Cowboys defense. This is likely going to be a tough game. I'm not exactly expecting uh, a repeat you know, offensive explosion. It's possible, but even as a Bears fan, that's not really something I am anticipating. On the other side with the Cowboys, I think both Zeke and Pollard are going to be viable starts moving forward. We saw Pollard outsnap Zeke 40 to 32. I don't really think that's a huge deal for either player. You know, they've been splitting all year long. Plus, I think Zeke also, you know, missed some snaps when he took the helmet to the knee. So I'm not super concerned with the overall snap shares of these players but I like the workloads of both guys. Zeke, 15 carries, zero targets, 17.7 PPR points. I guess it's 17.7 points in general. I talked about him as a sell high option. I think he's gonna be a solid running back two rest of season. It's just he has very limited upside with the lack of receiving work. Pollard, 12 carries, two targets, 12.9 points. Like both those players as starts. Then we have the Dolphins taking on the Lions. And for the Dolphins, Raheem Mostert just continues to operate as the clear-cut number one. I think he's a really strong start, probably a mid-tier running back two, you know, weekly uh, at worst moving forward. And then sitting Chase Edmonds, just not a big enough workload there. Raheem Mostert has just straight up beat him out. Now on the other side with the Lions, this is always a backfield where we just don't really know how to evaluate it until we get much closer to Sunday. If DeAndre Swift is healthy in the starter, he's going to be a start. But we all expected him to be back, or at least I expected him to be back here in week seven off of the two games off and then the bye. The fact that he is still not back, I think it's the ankle that's bothering him. Originally, it was the shoulder. Now I think it's the ankle. It's not a great sign, but if he's healthy, he will be a start. And then if Swift is out, we continue to fire up Jamal Williams as a really strong play, you know, with Swift out of the lineup. Then we have the Cardinals taking on the Vikings. And this is another backfield that is just totally up in the air with injuries. So we have James Conner missed the last two weeks, I believe. Yeah, last two weeks. I would say if James Conner is healthy, I think he's a fringe option. He's someone I loved coming into the season, but the injuries here have really just derailed him. And so I don't know if he's healthy. Do they just let him come back in and take over the workload he had coming into the year? I just don't know. So I think he's a fringe play. I think we could see some sort of split with Connor and Eno. I do think if Connor is out, Eno Benjamin is a strong start, but just a situation that we're going to have to monitor throughout the week. For the Vikings, nothing uh, difficult here. Delvin Cook's a start. Alexander Madison is a sit. Then we have the Raiders taking on the Saints. Two running back ones. Josh Jacobs continues to just dominate. He's a clear start. Alvin Kamara, not getting the goal line work, but still a very strong, you know, top 12 running back play. Then we have a divisional game between the Patriots and the Jets. For the Patriots, we saw Damian Harris make his return on Monday Night Football. And really what we saw was Ramondre take over this backfield. Now I do acknowledge that Ramondre was in a spot where the game script favored him. They were behind pretty early on. So they eventually just kind of took Harris out. 
left Ramondre in, he's their better pass catching option. I just don't know, you know, what type of split we're going to be looking at moving forward. I think normally you see that Jets logo down there. You're thinking, oh, this is a good matchup. Patriots will be up. This is a different Jets team, very strong defensively. What are they, four and five and two, I think at this point. So they're a strong, strong unit there. And I would just be willing to trust Ramondre. I just don't know how much of a role Damian Harris is going to have. So it's possible he goes back to his, you know, 11, 12, 13 carries on Sunday. But I think it's also possible we're looking at eight, nine, 10 carries, potentially inefficient carries with limited touchdown upside. So someone I'm not really excited about playing into my lineup. Then for the Jets, we have Michael Carter as a start and then sitting James Robinson. They go out, they acquire James Robinson from the Jaguars. And I feel like we just got to talk about this uh, Brees Hall torn ACL. Really just brutal, brutal news. Someone who had just been dominating, crazy fun to watch, you know, kind of like the centerpiece, him and sauce of this Jets team, it felt like. So he's going to be out. I guess on the bright side, it sounds like if everything goes well with his recovery, he should be back in time for week one or at least sometime early in the season. So I guess, you know, some bright side there. But talking about Michael Carter, uh, we saw Brees Hall play into the second quarter. And even with him getting into the second quarter and then getting injured, Michael Carter still logged a 73% snap share, 59% route participation. Obviously, Michael Carter is not Brees Hall, not even close. But with James Robinson coming in, I think they're going to be splitting early down work. But I still think Carter's going to be getting early down opportunities. And then the third down work, he's the guy who's familiar with this offense. I just don't think James Robinson is going to come in and be fantasy relevant. I also think if you have James Robinson on your team and you want to squeeze out some value, I think you could try to make the argument to your league mates that he's going to be the starter here. Maybe it's possible. Like, let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think James Robinson is going to be the guy? I would lean towards it being Carter or a really gross committee before I would lean to James Robinson being the number one here. But that's just me. I may have an incorrect read on it. But for this week, at least for this week, you know, I feel like James Robinson, first week in here, I'd go with Carter as a start, J-Rob as a sit, and then we'll kind of be able to evaluate moving forward. Next matchup is the Steelers taking on the Eagles. For the Steelers, I guess we continue to fire up Najee Harris as a very low upside play, fringe top 24 option. Kind of rough what's happening here with Najee. The efficiency is not there. The touchdown upside isn't there. Sitting Jalen Warren for the Eagles, I think we fire up Miles Sanders as a really strong running back to play. Then we have the Titans taking on the Texans. We have two workhorse backs here, Derrick Henry, obviously a start. And then same thing here for Damian Pierce from the Texans. This dude just gets fed by them. They love this dude. I think he had like, it was like 12 touches at halftime and uh, they're talking to Lovey Smith and he's like, we need more touches for Damian Pierce. Like dude's on a 24 touch uh, pace and they're talking about how they need to keep feeding him. It's great for fantasy. He's producing a very, very strong start. You know, probably a top 12 option just off the top of my head. We'll see what happens when I do my running back rankings. Next matchup is the Commanders taking on the Colts. For the Commanders, this is a basically three-man committee still. McKissick isn't getting a ton of snaps, but he's getting some valuable ones. We have Brian Robinson at 47% snap share, ran eight routes. We have Antonio Gibson at a 39% snap share, ran 12 routes. And then J.D. McKissick at a 16% snap share with nine routes. Running through the stat lines, B-Rob, 20 carries, 73 yards, two targets, two catches, 13 yards. Antonio Gibson, 10 carries, 59 yards. 
four targets, three for 18, and a touchdown. We saw Brian Robinson take the majority of the early down and short yardage snaps. And then we saw Gibson basically like filtering everywhere. He was taking some early down work. He was taking, I think, some third down opportunities. And then he also took two of the three goal line snaps, which could be a little bit concerning for Brian Robinson because he's kind of going to need to rely on those touchdowns given his lack of receiving work. And then we saw J.D. McKissick take half the third downs and then 100% of the two-minute drill. So I do have Brian Robinson as a start. I would say he's pretty close to a fringe option, but I do just think if you're getting 20 carries back-to-back games with big carry numbers, I think you should be startable. Sitting Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, for me, I just have concern with Brian Robinson long-term. I'm someone who made a bet on Brian Robinson, you know, being the guy moving forward as a waiver wire pickup, but it wasn't necessarily betting on the talent of Brian Robinson. It was more so betting on the fact that the commanders just cannot seem to stand Antonio Gibson. Like they will just do everything in their power to not give him a solid workload, which has kind of just been a questionable decision. And also just watching this team, it just seems so clear that Antonio Gibson is the better running back. So while I do think B-Rob can continue to operate as the starter, I feel like we're running the risk of Antonio Gibson taking back that job. And Gibson is already getting some, you know, goal line opportunities. He's getting receiving work. I just think it's a slippery slope here for Brian Robinson in the future. Now on the other side of this matchup with the Colts, I have Jonathan Taylor as a start. I think he's a solid buy low and then sitting Naheem Hines. Then we have a divisional matchup between the 49ers and the Rams. And it is very weird seeing Christian McCaffrey here on the uh, 49ers graphic, but he is going to be a start sitting Jeff Wilson. As expected, Christian McCaffrey didn't have a huge role. I kind of thought they were, you know, maybe underestimating the amount of work he was going to have. Like I thought they were kind of going to, you know, get into the game and he would have a bigger role. Only played 29% of the snaps, eight carries, two targets. So nothing crazy. I think he should be close to like 100% of his role heading into Sunday. Then they have a bye week. And then uh, what would that be like week 10? At that point, I think we're seeing like running back one potential Christian McCaffrey rest of season, but I would not shy away from starting him at all. I think he's going to have a big role full week of practice with the team. Really love him as a high-end start. And then for the Rams, this is a gross spot. I have Daryl Henderson listed as a start. I don't love it, but it does look like Kyron Williams is going to need at least another week to come back. So right now his competition is Malcolm Brown. Obviously, this is assuming that Cam Akers has not reconciled with the team. So I think the opportunities are going to be there. I don't love it, but I just feel like the work he's going to get, he should be listed as a start. Then we have an easy matchup here, the Giants taking on the Seahawks, Saquon auto start, Kenneth Walker auto start, just looking like an absolute monster. Then Sunday night football, we have the Packers taking on the Bills. For the Packers, we finally saw Aaron Jones have a boom game, really solid as a pass catcher. I think they'll continue to use him in that way. And then sitting AJ Dillon, Dylan has really just been a massive disappointment. He's someone where I just keep kind of talking myself into week to week fringe play. He has the workload. I mean, it's just not happening here. 30% snap share. I think he had a solid snap share in week six after a rough one in week five. It's back down to that week five number. So not good there. Aaron Jones just looks like the significantly better back. And AJ Dillon has put up sub 10 points in six straight weeks. So just not close to startable at this point. I think some of you guys may be tempted to cut AJ Dillon. And I'm just going to advise against that because I understand the, you know, the argument. He's someone you drafted to potentially be playable or running back to a flex option. 
and he hasn't done that. However, still worst case scenario for Aaron Jones here or for AJ Dillon is that he is a high-end handcuff because if Aaron Jones goes down, they have no choice but to give AJ Dillon a huge workload. So he is still one of the best handcuffs in the NFL and that's like his worst case scenario. So I do think he's someone we should be holding on to. Then for the Bills, Devin Singletary has been a solid start, someone I'm going to continue to roll with in my lineup, sitting Zach Moss, sitting James Cook. And then Monday Night Football, I believe this is Halloween night. We have the Bengals taking on the Browns. For the Bengals, Joe Mixon, obvious start. For the Browns, Nick Chubb, obvious start. And then Kareem Hunt has now been relegated to the sit category. He's someone I've been holding on to as like a fringe option. I think the basically since like week one, two, whatever, like he's been someone I didn't have as a sit all season long. The past two weeks, he has combined for nine carries, 16 yards, at least rushing yards, one reception for four yards, and then nine total fantasy points. He scored a touchdown this past week. He has given you under 10 points in five of the last six weeks. I think he's someone who's still going to be startable once Deshaun Watson returns, just because the ceiling of this offense is going to be raised. Maybe he gets more involved as a pass catcher. He'll have more touchdown upside. But at this point with Brissett, I just don't think he can be relied upon. So that is going to wrap it up for my week eight running back start sits. Every single matchup, let me know what you guys think down below. Any questions, drop them down below. I'll also be going through my wide receiver start sits later on today. And if you guys want to check out the waiver wire video, trade targets, buy low, sell high, those videos are up also. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.